0: Hello and welcome back to Blue Royalty, a London is Blue show dedicated to the Chelsea women's team. Well, it's Champions League delight for both the men and the women this week as the boys top their group in the UCL and the women manage an 8-0 win over Blasnia in the group stage. I am joined by Amy Ruskay making a debut on the show, I believe, um, to talk through the win at Blasnia. How are you, Amy?
1: Good, thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you for coming on. A couple of things to talk about today. I think... Main thing, these big wins, I think, are always funny to kind of try and unpick, but definitely chat about Chelsea finding their form and also Sam Kerr picking up her shooting boots for the first time this season. And then a little bit of chat as well, I think, about Panila Harder and, and how she's looking in, in this kind of new look midfield role for her. But first, we will go, as always, with the three-word match review Got some some nice variety this week. Uh, one from Meme Astronaut. Cathartic Kerr comeback. Ellie says the backflip's back. Clayton goes with Panilla is sublime. Jay going guru so generous. That, that made me laugh. I don't know why that made me laugh. Sylvia saying striker's on fire. Neum saying much needed goals. And one from Ollie Glanville in my DM saying eight, Canale, grateful. I don't know if that's meant to mean something, but I don't. Or whether Ollie just wanted to make me look like an idiot reading that out in in front of people. But uh, Amy, I'll come to you. What is your three-word match review from last night? See,
1: I was going to go quite boring, and might well. I thought it was pretty simple. Lots of goals. But then reading these, I'm like, oh, the creativity.
0: <laughs> well, you know, we, we've got to talk for a whole kind of like 45 minutes. So we've got to save our creativity for, for later in the podcast. I'm going quite boring too. I'm going with It's About Time, um, sung in like the Lizzo. It's about damn time, but that's four, so I, I took the damn out, to be yeah. polite, I guess. <laughs> um, just because I've waited a while to see a Chelsea performance like that this season. Um, so, for anyone who doesn't know, we are talking about the new game. It took place on Wednesday the 24th of October in the Women's Champions League at King's Meadow. 8 nil win for Chelsea with four goals from Sam Kerr, three goals from Peniela Harder, and a debut, well, a debut? Can you say a debut goal for someone's first goal? It makes it sound like mm. it was her debut.
1: Yeah, I guess it's just first goal, isn't it?
0: Anyway, Katrinas Vickova scored <laughs> is the conclusion. So, uh, Amy, let's chat about the, the line-up first. A bit of a rejig from Chelsea, I guess, who obviously made a lot of changes uh, against Brighton anyway. So, Musovic coming in in goal. A back four of Perissette. Buchanan as the right-sided centre-back. Magda Eriksson and Neve Charles at left-back. A middle three of Fleming Ingle, Harder, and then up front Canarid, Samka and Guru Wrighton. What what did you think of, of this lineup when you saw it?
1: Well, I just got the beta code for football manager last week or this week. Um it's been a long week playing on it. And <laughs> when I saw the team come out, in my head I was like perfectly rotated. Like that when when I've got a cup game coming up, I'm like, right, you've got to get the right amount of rotation in. want you know, can't be complacent, gotta get the stars in there a little bit but also give minutes out. So in my head, literally, you could tell how much I've been playing it. I went, perfectly rotated football manager team, that. That's exactly (laughs) what I thought when it came out.
0: (laughs) Do you think Denise Reddy has been on Football Manager this week as well,
1: then? I think she's got the beta code. I think she does. Or maybe Emma Hayes is at home. She's got the beta code and she's like, I've been playing it. I think this is the rotation. Just on the
0: sofa. That makes sense. (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah, well, yeah, definitely a, a nice bit of rotation. I think it worked well, I think, to balance with the Brighton game, especially to get those two results out. Um, changes as well later on in the game. Jess Carter, Beth England, Svitkova, Frank Kirby and Alsu Adelina all coming on. Still no Mijadro Kankovic in the squad. Um, but this was just a totally dominant game for, for Chelsea, wasn't it, Amy? I mean, just the shots... 35 Chelsea shots to one for Vlasnir, 11 shots on target to Vlasnir zero. I did find it amazing that they managed to string together 206 passes.
1: Yeah, actually, just looking at that stat now, I'm like, oh, that's a lot higher than I thought. But
0: do you know what? They were actually,
1: I watched the Real Madrid game last week, the Vlasnir-Real Madrid game, and they were a lot more sort of, not adventurous, but they got out a lot more in this game than I think they did in the Real Madrid game but I think that's just because Real Madrid kind of just passed it around in front of like the block and they couldn't really get out whereas I think because Chelsea actually went at them with more intensity they could get out a little bit so I'm glad they had a shot Yeah. because by the end of the group stage they'll, they might have had five shots in the game possibly
0: <laughs> um, I want to ask you because you obviously wrote a piece about Blasnia which was very useful prep thank you very much um, and about kind of their excitement of qualifying for this group. And it's a great group for, for them to be in, really, isn't it? You know, Chelsea, PSG, and Real Madrid, they're fun games, all three of them. But wonder if you could just give for anyone who hasn't read it um a bit of an intro to Blatsnir to and kind of what you found out about them.
1: Yeah, so one of the things when I was looking up um Vlasnia, when the draw happened was, you know, looking at see what stories might be there that might be worth telling. And they got six American players in the team. Um, obviously for those that don't know it's quite common for like you to see American players in these Champions League teams because if they don't get through into the NWSL if they don't get drafted or something then their agents are like oh we have this offer from this team they're always in the Champions League every year do you want to go there and obviously now with the group stage thing like you know they can attract players that I mean, they're going to play Chelsea, PSG and Real Madrid. So um, I spoke to some of the Americans out there and it's not in Tirana. Like, you know, it's in a little city in the well, little city. It's not as big as Tirana, but in a city in the north of Albania, um, like really picturesque, nice little place. And um, they have quite decent crowds, actually. I noticed in the the qualifiers, there's like 2,500 people going out to watch them. Um, one of the defenders, Lexi Knox, who I thought had a really good game against Real Madrid especially, she um, she was saying that when she, like, walks around the city, there were people like, yes, go Velaznir, and, like, you tell like, oh, you're playing Real Madrid. like So I think it's, like, captured a little bit of excitement in this city. Um, and, yeah, I just think it's quite cool because, you know, it's one of those things where I remember speaking to a few people in um, different countries where if you get this happening and you get, like, the ball girls for the games, you know, in 10 years' time, they all end up being, like, really decent footballers because they've been, you know... It's so cliché and a bit cringy, but, like, inspired by what's gone on there. Like, it's kind of captured their imagination. So I think it's just cool, you know, in a, a country that's not really big in women's football to have three of the biggest clubs in the world going there to play this tournament. So, yeah, it was, um, it was nice to kind of hear about, you know, what's going on there, and it seems like they've really captured the imagination of that little city.
0: Yeah, and I mean... The little city certainly made their noise heard at King's Meadow last night, right? Um, Yeah, 420 official away tickets sold. There was flares on the pitch. There was drumming. I was at the PSG game last week and I didn't think I would see better fans this season. But uh, last year really brought it.
1: I love that. I I love the chaos. I love a chaotic away end. I'm really a big fan of it.
0: Uh, so does Sam Kerr yeah she said after the game I loved it I thought it was awesome I thought about stirring them up but didn't want them to take it the wrong way I think that's what makes football so great when I scored the second goal down there I was thinking about it Um, so I think that confirms that if you want to boo Sam Kerr at a game you can probably get away with uh, with that one but we are going to take a quick ad break and when we come back we will dig into the game in a bit more detail alright guys as we said before we have got our own feed now uh, Blue Royalty you can find all of our episodes there as well as currently cross-posting on the London is Blue pod feed but make sure you are following us from Blue Royalty so when we move over fully you're still getting all your Chelsea women's content that you need um great review shout about us all the usual stuff um yeah thank you guys for listening but let's talk about the game now um Chelsea finally looking a bit more like the Chelsea we expected to see this season right Amy?
1: Yeah I, I tweeted it and I'm looking at my tweet right now in the <laughs> running order, um, but I was impressed by like how they started because, I, like I said, I watched the Real Madrid game last week and Real Madrid, they didn't have Caroline Weir, which makes a difference, but they kind of just, I don't know if it was complacency or like too much pace, patience, but they just kind of didn't go at them and then Vlasnia the gained a lot of confidence because they kept them out for so long. Whereas Chelsea were just like, yeah, none of that. Straight at them, like straight at the throat, trying to just break them down. And, you know, getting an early goal, I think was really... Yeah, I think that really helped. I think if it had been like last week where you know, they just played in front of him? it would have been such a frustrating game instead of, you know, what it ended up being, which was a massive win.
0: Yeah, and I wonder how much Chelsea kind of learned from their experience last year, where there was that very, very dull kind of 1-0 win over Servet at Kings Meadow. And Chelsea always managed to seem to get very nervous in all of their Champions League group games, but it just felt like there was a lot more confidence about the team, I thought, which was maybe surprising given given some of the results so far this season.
1: Yeah, I was at the, um, the Everton game they were up um, in the WSL the other week and like that one was more... But I think as well, like Lazio were never going to come out and go at them as well. So it was almost a perfect game in a way where they could be like, right, this is what we're going to do. It's going to be played on our terms. Whereas I remember the Everton game, Everton came out and they were brilliant. And Chelsea were a bit like couldn't almost play it on their terms whereas this felt like a game like go out there you can play it as you want to play it you can either sit back and be patient and let the pressure build on you or you can go at them straight away and like you know show what you made of um yeah it was exciting and I think in a way it was actually exciting to watch as a neutral in a way because they were being attacking whereas sometimes you watch these games and you just like passing side to side, just waiting, and it can be so dull to watch, whereas this one was actually entertaining to see all the players trying to kind of score and break them down, I think.
0: Yeah, and how much of a confidence boost do you think this result will be? Because I think something that I always find hard to kind of quantify, especially with games like this, is you're expected to win, right? The reason why we played well is because... Our players are just on paper, like, international superstars. And unfortunately, Blasniers aren't yet. Maybe they will be in the future. Who knows? Um, but but do you think this is something that Chelsea will be able to carry forward kind of into the, the Villa match at the weekend, United, obviously, the weekend after? Yeah,
1: I think so. I think especially, like, you know, Sam Kerr, like, finding her feet and scoring. Like, if you only scored four goals last time you played... Then surely you're gonna you go out with a different confidence. Like it doesn't matter who it's against. It, you know it could be in the cup against somebody in you know three leagues below you. It can be against a, a Valazny in the Champions League, and it, it could be against someone you're expected to beat. But I think surely in your head, like it gives you a massive confidence base, I'd say.
0: And we've kind of spoken a bit about um, the Real Madrid game. So if anyone doesn't know, Real Madrid only in inverted comments one two uh, nil. They were away. Um. I didn't, I didn't watch this game because I was at PSG, but do you think we can take anything kind of looking across the group, looking at Real Madrid from the gap between our score in this game versus their score in that game? Or do you think that's just kind of like a bit of a fool's errand to kind of try and compare to two separate games like that? I
1: think it's, they would, I think, Real Madrid were missing Weir, which I think was massive because they just looked sort of devoid of creativity at times. Um, which is, I mean, she scored so many of their goals this season. Um, kind of understandable. But I think they were kind of trying to figure out, okay, she's not here to do it, so who's gonna like do the cool stuff? Um, and I think that they sort of didn't go out with the right game plan in this way that Chelsea did in this game, like I said earlier about going straight for them. They were kind of a lot more patient. Um, but I think as well, it was in Albania, that one. And the crowd in Albania, like, I mean, it's it'll be mostly, I don't I, I, you know, there'll be a, maybe a small minority of Real Madrid fans, but it's largely for Velaznia, right? And it's, you know, a trip into, you know, their home ground. That's always going to make a difference. So I'd be interested to see how that game is played out in Madrid. But I think, I think it was just sort of the game plan and possibly that was the difference in the the intelligence of how knowing how to approach that game. But maybe if Chelsea had played the last year first in the group and Real Madrid had played the next week, it could have been like this. You know what I mean? Like maybe Chelsea looked at that game and thought, we can't do that, we need to go at them. So um, I think it was, I don't know if you can look at it and say, oh, well, that means that Chelsea will beat Real Madrid. But I think that they sort of more positive, reflected a bit more positively on Chelsea than Real Madrid from these two games.
0: Yeah, and I think that kind of positiveness, positivity, I guess is the real word, (laughs) is something that Chelsea have kind of really missed this season. I think, again, it's been tough when you look at Arsenal's kind of Leon performance and their WSL performances and Manchester United in the WSL. And it's just nice when people want to say your team played well, even if it's against a team that... um, isn't necessarily the best team in the world. Uh, Susie Rack wrote in, in her Guardian piece, Chelsea needed this emphatic win regardless of the opponent. It was a reminder of what they can do, a reminder for the fans and for themselves, which basically sums up how I feel about this game, that even though it's easy to say like, oh, they're the weakest team in your group, you're expected to beat them, that sometimes you just need to, to play those teams and to get those results. And I think, you know, let's chat a bit about Sam Kerr next because... She is someone, right, who who needed a game like this.
1: Yeah, and I think we saw in that first season at Chelsea when everybody was like, oh, she's clearly not good enough. She's clearly, you know, and I only like to go back and remind people of this because I always said from the start that she was really good, so i just like to make myself feel <laughs> smug. But, like, everybody was like, oh, she's clearly not good enough and she's not going to score and this, that and the other. And all she needed was a couple of goals. Like, that's all she needed and she was fine. Like, she did stop scoring. So, I think what this could do for her season is kind of, like, kind of get the monkey off the back. And it's not even like that, she, you know, she plays poorly. Like, she, the, what she does in bringing others into play is what what also makes her such an integral part of this Chelsea team, not just because she scores goals, it's everything else she does. Um, but the fact she gets the, the goals is, I think, now we'll kind of see that, you know, the floodgates open and... I mean, if she's not confident this weekend after scoring four goals, then God knows, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, yeah. So four goals from Sam. Um, Initially, she wasn't credited with one of them, but they gave it to her. We got to see the backflip, which was fun as well. I do find it funny that she only does them. I think this is her third backflip at Chelsea. And I guess because she scored hat-tricks in all those games, this is why she did it. But it's like Bristol City in the County Cup final, Birmingham City at Kingston in Vlatsnir. I'm like, Sam, can you save it for a good team? Um, but yeah, nice to see, I guess. Uh, first player to score four goals in a Women's Champions League group stage game. There, have, there haven't been a whole lot of Women's Champions League group stage games, but it's still, good. still a good stat to have. Why do you think she's had a slow start to the season? Do you think this has just been... One of those runs that strikers have occasionally, or do you think the way kind of maybe Chelsea have reshuffled their attack a bit has had a has had an impact on her?
1: I think maybe um, a bit of the reshuffling. Personally, like um, I think as well. Obviously, Fran's been ill for a couple of games, and that's kind of one of the players that she links up with so well. And then Panilla dropping into a different position, and just kind of that rejig. You know, new players coming in: Lauren James, Yana, uh, Rutine Canarid, like. Um, I think you just take a bit of time, maybe, to build up those relationships, and especially when those players are changing and rotating a little bit, um, that probably has an impact. Um, but again, like you know, strikers go through those all the time. Like, if every striker is going to go a couple of games without scoring a goal, um, so yeah, I think it's just, I think we have seen a little bit of rotation in Chelsea. And, personally I think that's probably what it is
0: yeah and there were some nice nice finishes here as well you know the first goal especially it wasn't just I mean some of them were just like tap-ins from guru right and crosses but uh the first one was a really really nice one from uh Penila Hardable um Kerr said after the game obviously I'm paid to score goals but I also think I bring a lot to the team and I'm not scoring too so it's just about being patient getting my groove and I did tonight and hopefully I can against Villa you kind of touched on on that Amy, and I and I think it's true right I, I felt like this in the PSG game even right that Maybe because Sam scores so many goals, we almost focus on that way more than we would a player who didn't score as many. Because, you know, like PSG, I I thought she had a really good game in terms of her hold-up play and how she contributed to the attack, even if she kind of missed a couple of chances. Do you think Chelsea fans maybe underrate how, how much Sam offers outside of just putting the ball in the back of the net?
1: Yeah, and I think as well, when you're coming up against Chelsea and you're looking at your game plan, one of the first things you're going to do is like, right, okay, so we need to stop Sam Kerr. And as a centre-forward, you're like, right, okay, let's not just put one of our centre-backs on her to mark her. Like, let's put both of them on. And I think in a way that's almost good because she derides a lot of the attention away. Like, she derides a lot of the attention so that then the other players can make the runs to score. Um, I'm just looking at... um, I was just trying to find Emma Hayes says something really wonderful about her at the back end of last season on the day that Chelsea won the title. Um, and she said something about how valuable she is. Um, you know, just not on the ball. She was talking about, I think we've got it here, defensively from the front, like, you know, she's kind of the person that starts the press. Um, that kind of thing. She talked at length about everything else that makes her important and you know a star in her team and you know the goals was almost like a footnote in this big list she was like she does this she does this she does this she does this like and I think that it's easy to kind of take look at her and go oh, she hasn't scored for a while and forget all of that because she is the number nine and that's what she's going to be judged on but I think again like I just said the the fact that she is that goal scoring machine she's going to just attract more attention from defenders and get a little less space in some games, but it works in that it opens it up for others.
0: Well, yeah, and someone who I guess it kind of opened it up for, although, of course, Sam scored loads too anyway in this game, but Benila Harder also got a hat-trick. I think this has been a really interesting couple of games for Harder. Obviously, we didn't see her at the start of the season because she got injured in that warm-up before the Liverpool game, but we've been seeing her in, in a new role, right, a more central role as part of midfield here it was kind of like a 4-3-3 but formations were almost meaningless in this game because Chelsea were so high up the pitch Magda Eriksson was basically like on the edge of flats penalty area but do you think we're do you think we're seeing a better harder because she's playing in this role or do you think Something I'm trying to figure out is I feel like Harder's always been quite unlucky with the run of games she's got at Chelsea because of when she's had injuries. So it feels like we've never had a really long period of Harder time. Do you think there's an element of, a bit like what we are talking about with Sam, like you need game time to build your relationships with players? Or do you think this is like, okay, actually, we should never have been playing her kind of out wide or whatever. She needed to be behind the number nine.
1: It's difficult because I feel like when Penelah Harder plays her position is almost like, I don't know, it, it's difficult to pin down sometimes. It's difficult sometimes when you watch Chelsea and you look at Harder and you kind of like, right, okay, where's she actually playing? Because I don't feel like she's ever really in a fixed position. She's just kind of picks up the spaces, even if she's playing in a position, even if she's like pushed out wide, and that's not where she's best because she should be more central to affect the player from a central position. Feel like she's always going to find like a half space or, you know, in the light inside channel or whatever. Um But I think from a central role, then yes, she can kind of do that better because it doesn't sort of impact the team. She's meant to be wide and she comes in central and then that space is there or whatever. I think that this is, I think she is best as kind of like a, a second striker, like a 10, whatever you want to call it, just off the striker. Um, maybe the way she is now if it's like a four-three-three as we say it's still, maybe she's still a little bit bogged down but I think it's on the right track of finding the right place for her because I guess she's still got to accommodate for like, she needs to maybe track back and things like that but I think having her in that middle position um, just going back to the Everton game that I was at like Guru had an unbelievable she just had a field day out on the left and she pulled back like 5-6 Great passes to that edge of the area, and like Peniel Harder's just there, like sweeping up. And I think that goes back to like Kerr maybe attracts that attention to the centre halves, and then Harder can kind of make that late run, stand on the edge of the box, and just finish. And you know she didn't finish a lot in that Everton game. She should have finished more than she should. She hit quite a few over the bar, but I think that is her area. That's where she should be. She should be central, high up the pitch finding the space in between that defensive midfield in between the centre-backs and full-backs whatever like she will find the space and if she gets the ball she'll do something that like completely you know creates a chance or you know she'll score a goal herself like she just needs to be in those dangerous areas I think.
0: Yeah and you obviously mentioned Guru there it really feels like I mean it was it was a 100th performance appearance for Chelsea last night four assists just she has assisted basically everything we've scored so far this season But I feel like last night it really felt like we were looking at a bit of a new trio at Chelsea in terms of the relationship between Harder, Wrighton and Kerr. Like so many of these goals were like the ball from Harder out to Wrighton into the middle uh, and Kerr there to finish. Do you think that's something that we're going to see develop more over the season or does last night is it less about the relationship between those players and more just the fact that at the moment every ball guru right and touches turns into a ridiculously good chance
1: i guess in a way it can be both because i think if she continues to put in passes like that then you know she's going to pick out Kerr. she's going to pick out harder every single time like every single cross pass delivery whatever that she puts in from that left seems to be on the money at the moment, set pieces as well on the money. Like um, she's such a great player. And I'm so glad that she's like back at this level because um, I can't remember now, how, how many seasons, the first season she was here, she was unplayable. She was the best player in the league for me all year. And then she had the back injuries and niggly injuries and she was in and out of the team. And it's just nice to see her like hitting that height again. Cause I think she's, I think she's one of the best players in WSR. I think she's unbelievable. Um, and yeah, I think that she just seems to, it's not even that when she comes up against teams, they're bad down the right. She just seems to make that wing like her own. She's just like, yeah, this is mine today. And you know, you can try and stop me, but you probably aren't going to be able to.
0: <laughs> I think it's the way, like, I think, and Sky did a little bit with, with her about this, about how she crosses the ball. But I think what's re- the way she reason she always seems to dominate is because she can cross the ball in so many different ways. It's not like just a winger who you like, you know, they're just going to go to the byline say, so you can kind of show them somewhere else. It's like, if you try and show her one way, she'll like chop in the other way. And like you kind of were saying just then, like she can put the ball like across the goal to Sam, or she can pull it back and have someone like, Panilla running in and i think that's really why she excels so much but yeah like you say it is um i was talking about it on another podcast earlier but it is amazing the turnaround she kind of had where that second season it was almost like she dropped out the team and people would speak about her a bit like beth england you know like what's what's the point in her still being at chelsea and i think it's kind of testament to her ability and her hard work that She's not even being played at left wing back anymore. You know, she's been she's been upgraded. She's back at left wing, um, but there's there's I guess kind of a one attacking player as as part of this Chelsea squad who who we haven't mentioned as part of that trio, and that is Frank Kirby, who made her return to the pitch after three games out with with illness. Do you think we're gonna see Harder and Kirby both in this midfield? Because where Harder's been playing so far this season and looking great is where Fran was playing so far this season and looking great. Or does this have to be a bit of an either or for Chelsea?
1: I think it's difficult to be both just because of the defensive sacrifice you have to make. It's a bit like when we talk about England and can Ella Toon and Frank Kirby playing the same team, which for me is no. <laughs> like, it's just too difficult. It creates too much defensive sacrifice. I think you can do it against teams that you're expected to beat, but even like in the WSL now, like the um, the level towards the bottom of the league is getting higher to the point that you, you know, that is a risk. And if you're going to play two attacking midfielders and, you know, if we call them attacking midfielders, then your, your defences, your midfielders are just a little bit lacking in there. And I think it's hard, but I think Fran is quite, you know, I think you can put Fran on the wing and she can still be very effective in this Chelsea team because I think the definition of her as a winger in Chelsea is completely more fluid than what we see on the England side where it's a bit more structured i think that she i think they can play in the same team but not in the same central positions personally
0: yeah it will definitely be interesting to see because i mean it's it's kind of crazy when you sometimes i feel like this chelsea team this is going to sound really shit but like needs injuries because you otherwise i don't know how you keep all these players happy because you know talking about Wrighton, Kerr and Harder, how good they looked last night. Then you add Kirby in. Lauren James didn't even play any minutes yesterday, but it's had a great start to the season. And Canerid was actually really quiet yesterday, but until that point had looked really good every time. So then you've got six players who... I'm glad I'm not trying to fit them all in, but I guess that's the point. That's why you play lots of games and rotate lots of players. Um, We are going to take another quick ad break. Thanks to sponsors for supporting the show. When we come back, we will talk a bit about some of the kind of substitute players and, and fringe players of the team. All right, I wanted to touch on two players in particular who came on last night, Alsu Abdelina and Katarina Svitkova. Let's start with, with Alsu Abdelina because she's kind of had an interesting start to the season, right? Like, she was meant to go out on loan, it fell through, but Chelsea being Chelsea didn't really talk about that stuff for ages, so then she was just randomly out of the squads a lot. She's made her way back into the squads, I kind of thought this was because you know we had quite a few players out, Mielda, Kankovic, Kirby, etc. But she came on in this game and she looked really good, right?
1: Yeah, I thought so. I thought she put um, some really nice crosses in. Like every time ta- it gets the book to the in a game like this, it gets towards the end. You kind of you kind of lose interest a little bit, don't you? You're kind of like, oh, you know, it's nearly full time. It's flipping six <laughs> 0 whatever it is. And um, the substitutions came on, and it was just like, oh. Not really seen much of Abdelina this season at all. And then she starts whipping in these crosses. I'm like, oh, like catching the eye. I'm like, I'm supposed to have like zoned out on 88 minutes. And here I am, like watching, you know, some especially like the energy levels go down and then you get this new burst of energy. I thought she was really good. It really did. I was I, there were a few bits where when she just signed, she played, and I thought, oh, you know, didn't know anything about her at the time. And I thought mm. Got a decent delivery on that left foot, you know. Looks quite good. So
0: yeah, I think what's interesting is is also when she was signed, everyone was talking about her as kind of left back, left wing back. But Chelsea have clearly only ever really used her as a winger, even in some of those games. I think with the FA Cup game at Aston Villa, she started as the left winger. And I guess maybe the problem is and why Chelsea wanted her to go out on loan is as we've just discussed, Chelsea aren't short of attacking players. But I would be intrigued to see her if Chelsea are going to kind of. Use a back three at points during the season to see her play at left wing back. But yeah, I think uh Bonzo Tim summed it up lovely, I thought, when they said very impressive considering her lack of game time, bright, energetic, and has surely given the coaching team some food for thought. Because yeah, I think it would have been I wouldn't have battered an eyelid if she'd just come on and not really do anything. Because as you said, Amy, we were like we were 6-0 up. Um, but also a first Chelsea goal for Katarina Svitkova. Another player who, I've got to be honest, I still don't entirely understand where she fits into this Chelsea side. Um, she did start against West Ham in the WSL, but we I don't think we've seen her at all since then <laughs> uh, until she, she came on in this game. What what have you kind of made of this this signing and and where do you think we are going to see her? Do you think she's going to get the opportunity to make more of an impact other than just being a... A fringe
1: player. I mean, first of all, really good goal. Mm. Wonderful. Really again, towards the end of the game, really perked me up. I was like, <laughs> wow, God, weren't they expecting, you know, this you don't expect that kind of ridiculous quality really on when it's coming out full time. Um I'm, when they signed when they announced the signing, I was a bit like that's a bit random. Like I don't think that you're lacking in that area of the pitch. Um I think she's a quality player, I really think she's a quality player and I think if she gets the opportunities then she'll show that she's a quality player, it's just about giving her those opportunities and finding the right times, you know it's like what we said at the top of the show like rotating in the right way especially between Champions League and WSL, it's kind of like right okay we're in a really long midweek trip, everybody's a bit knackered, you know who can we bring in and put into fit cover in and you Know kind of giving her the opportunity to show what she can do and then bump her got sort of status up in the team to being a team a player that you then consider for you know a real Madrid game or something like that. So I think if she gets the opportunities, she'll show what she can do. I just it is just that, isn't it? And it's the same with some of the other players in the squad about them actually getting the opportunities in the game time because it, like you say, it is one of those where unless there are some injuries, it's like, wow, this is a This is a massive squad. Massive squad.
0: Yeah, it is. And it's something that I've kind of been thinking about because Jonas Eideval, my personal enemy, who's always irritating me, but was kind of talking about this week, right, about how he thinks the FA should work closer with the Champions League clubs around when their games are scheduled and blah, blah, blah. Because he's still upset that Ajax had a weekend off between a game that Arsenal ended up winning. But what I guess is interesting right is that Arsenal have kind of seemingly chosen to have this smaller squad right they don't I think they've got two or three less players maybe than City and Chelsea whereas Chelsea kind of have have the bigger squad and maybe take the risk around upsetting players etc do you think do you think for Chelsea this kind of desire to have the biggest squad is just like a a muscle-flexing thing. Because part of me did think this summer, when we signed Kanarod and Kankovic, both of which were Arsenal targets, we were just like, we don't want you to have them. Uh, Kanarod has definitely proved me wrong on that one, because she is legit. Kankovic, we've barely seen, uh, because she's injured, not because we're not playing her. Or Or is this Chelsea maybe learning from their experience in previous Champions Leagues and saying... OK, the FA aren't going to move your games around. You are going to have to play kind of midweek and at the weekend and, and you need those players to, to really be able to compete on both fronts.
1: Yeah, and I think if you look at the the big names across Europe, they have that depth as well. So, like, you know, you, you're you looking at I'm in Barcelona, who've got three of the best five defensive midfielders in the world. <laughs> you're like, you know, you, to be up there, you need that depth because if you do get that key injury... You know if you just for example, if it was Barcelona, if Patrick gets injured, it's like right. if it's for a sustainable period of time, you like he may need to put somebody in there, and it's that sort of thing if you it's maybe it's unlikely that you're gonna have like two big names, key players out, but you need that insurance, I guess, and if you wanna win the Champions League, if you want to be one of the best teams in Europe, then you can't do it with a like small squad, you're gonna have to have a big squad, especially when Chelsea want to be winning the league, they want to win the domestic trophies, you know, do you need a big squad? Um, it's just one of those, when it's the start of the season and you're not really into that rhythm of having tons of games yet, it is one of those, like, oh, where are all the- when are all these players going to play? It's, yeah. I think I think over, as the season goes and you get... The fatigue of the games you get international breaks obviously the fatigue of coming back you know injuries during while with club while with country whatever suspensions then it'll be like it'll all sort of even out at the end of the season you'll see kind of the minutes don't look as badly as maybe you thought I think
0: yeah and I think we've even seen that over like literally this past week but you know the players who played against Brighton and then to kind of come and have these players playing here and I'm sure we're going to see another different configuration at Villa well at Kings Meadow when Villa visit on Sunday but down at the match London is blue podcast tweeted saying good luck picking your down at the match I, I agree um our three options were Panila, Harder, Guru or Sam Kerr on the vote Amy, you can pick anyone. Uh, I went with Guru Wrighton. She's not doing so well in the vote. Panila only got 9.9%, which I think is harsh. I thought this was going to be much more even. Guru got 25.5% and Sam Kerr is on 64.6%, which, I mean... Panila maybe deserves 99 because she didn't do a backflip, which is what I think the standard should be at the club now. But, uh, Amy, who who stood out for you? Who would you pick as you're down at the match?
1: I kind of want to pick Guru because I think she was fantastic and I've really enjoyed watching her the last two games. But I love backflips. I love acrobatic celebrations. I have uh, I feel like they don't exist really anymore. Like, you can count on maybe one hand the sort of top-level players, men's and women's, that are going to do that. It's at Chelsea, at right?
0: Aubameyang yeah. and Kerr, that's it. <laughs> that's it. We're, we're I'm trying to think. We're pulling them along.
1: I'm trying to think of anybody else now, like top level. I did see somebody recently on a Champions League highlight show who did something really cool, but I can't remember who it was now. But that's still three. We're still looking at three. So I am going to give it to Sam Kerr just because she did a backflip and I absolutely love her. But I would, if, I, if she didn't do a backflip, I would pick Guru.
0: Okay, that's, fa- that's fair. I can accept that. I also would say I think of the three she's done, it was the best one yet. So that's mm-hmm. good. Uh, and yeah. I'm also pleased because I interviewed her the other week and she said she was thinking about doing one, but she needs to score some goals. And then she did. So I feel like I kind of can take some credit for influencing that. Um. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, in, in our Champions League group, there was another game uh, last night. Real Madrid nil, PSG nil uh aside from the absolutely ridiculous bit of caroline weir's skill which if you have not seen you must go and watch immediately she is ridiculous uh what do we make of this is this a good result for chelsea i can't decide
1: um well i think yeah probably it's better i think if psg won maybe that would have been Maybe not a better result, but I think if Real Madrid did a the one, then it kind of like puts some level on Chelsea. Like maybe it's a little bit of pressure, scoreboard pressure, whatever. But um, I think if you if you watch if Chelsea watch the game and see that PSG look weird without Kototo, that's my analysis. That's weird. Um, <laughs> they don't seem to have it in their heads of how to deal without having Kototo. I think that's positive. Chelsea in terms of like looking to top this group and also obviously playing against them which they've already beaten them Um, and then Real Madrid look they look better this year than they did when they played PSG last year and I think they'll probably get better as the group goes on but yeah I think it's probably a decent result I mean nobody's getting a big like goal difference bounce nobody's like right up there with them on six points probably a decent result yeah I would say
0: yeah, I, I definitely agree that on paper, I can't, I think it's too early to kind of figure out yeah, whether it's a yeah. decent result. But I think if you watch the game, it was a decent result because I thought both were pretty meh. Um, PSG were meh last week, so that kind of tracked. And yeah, you're totally right. Without Kototo, they just look like they've got, they, they broke into so much space. And this is why I feel good about them playing Real Madrid now, is that Real Madrid do leave so much space in behind. And we're talking about Fran Kirby and playing her out wide. I'm going to need Fran Kirby to play off the right there because I think she would absolutely eat them up. Um, but then Real Madrids they did get kind of get into the game and they probably should have won. They had some chances that I don't understand how players missed. But yeah, I think just in terms of a confidence thing for Chelsea to be, you know, two games... Six points. More points than we had last year at this stage. <laughs> um, you know, ahead of everyone. Big goal difference. I think that's I think that's a good feeling. Um, two other games in the other groups. Wolfsburg beat Slavia Prague 2-0. And there was a, a very up-and-down match between St. Putin and Roma, who eventually came out 4-3 winners after some very strange goalkeeping going on there as well uh but Chelsea are off to no why do I keep saying we're off to Aston Villa are off to Chelsea at the weekend uh on Sunday um an Aston Villa team who drew 1-1 with Everton in the mighty continental cup last night thanks to a goal from a familiar name Aggie Beaver Jones uh they eventually lost 4-2 on penalties as with that weird fun quirk where you get an extra point Uh, What have you made of uh, Villa this season? started off great, very exciting. Rachel Daly is amazing. Uh, And then they've lost kind of two on the bounce in the league and don't look as exciting anymore.
1: Yeah, I think they've been weird. Again, more analysis from me, weird. (laughs) Um, The first couple of games was like, wow, Villa look great. They finally got this goal-scoring knack. This is what they missed last season. And then I watched the West Ham game when they lost and... They were actually, like, in charge of the game, but they just made some, like, stupid mistakes, like, really uncharacteristic in a way. And I just thought, what are you doing? Like, are you giving them the game here? Um, I think they were 2-0 down after 14 minutes. Um, and then, I mean, last week, Rachel Daly had a nasty-looking little collision, um, looked, like, really dazed coming off. I don't know if she's going to be... Um, I haven't seen an update on it. It's probably been one, but I've been working my life away. And um, I don't know if Rachel Daly will play this weekend. If she's in life, she's concussed or something, but that could have a big impact on the game as well. Um, but they're one of those where they could have had these two games where you're like, "Wow, I'm a bit disappointed in Villa," and then they'll just like turn up against Chelsea. Sorry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it will be definitely last year. Villa our team who who gave us issues, right? This is obviously the the equivalent fixture for Musa famous assist for Sam Kerr and Sam Kerr whipping her top off, uh, and I'm hoping it won't go that late this time. I do think Villa have looked definitely more threatening uh, in an attacking sense because that front four, if if Daly is fit, but you know, Hansen, Daly, Darley, and uh, Layman, like. That's for legit players. There aren't many kind of mid-table WSL teams who have that kind of depth, I think, across their attacking thing. And we have seen with Chelsea this season, I think, that teams which are willing to go for it will kind of get their rewards. Like, we've not kept many clean sheets. Um, You know, Liverpool, Everton, even Brighton at points kind of showed that there is a soft underbelly. It'll be interesting. I'm very intrigued to see what defence gets used because... Buchanan, we've not really talked about it because she didn't really have much defending to do, but she played at RCB uh, last night, and I don't know whether this is just in my head, but I thought she looked so much more confident. I don't know you, I don't know if you thought that, or whether I'm just making it up.
1: It's difficult to tell because, like, I'm she's really it's not. To do. <laughs> yeah,
0: there was like
1: I do agree. I think she looked more confident, but then I'm the same as you. I'm like, but is this the game? Like. Is it just yeah. the opponent and the fact that there's not much to do? But I did think as well. I did think the same.
0: Yeah, so that be that's maybe something to keep an eye on. Uh, but otherwise, yeah. So that is on Sunday, two o'clock UK time. The clocks change over here, so that might affect you if you are an international listener. And then we have United the week after before an international break where we go some quite tricky games, I'd say, back-to-back spurs at stanford bridge real madrid at home leicester away real madrid away over those kind of first two weeks there um but amy thank you very much for joining us today are you off to anything fun over the weekend
1: i'm not actually because i think five of the six games this weekend play at two o'clock on sunday so i'm like mm, i'm gonna try and keep across a wide five variety yeah, yeah i've, I've, I've I've been out and about quite a bit lately, so I'm giving myself a little Sunday in. The weather looks horrible as well.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I did that for, for this midweek I did not bother going to Kings Meadow for this game um, and it was very nice to stay at home
1: really ending the show showing our commitment <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> we promise we like covering football really um, I will be at Kings Meadow on Sunday before going to Meadow Park to see Arsenal West Ham as well so I'll be busy on Sunday um, but we will be back on Monday I think we're going to be joined by Mia Erickson so that will be a lot of fun to chat through the Villa game but until then Chelsea fans you know what to do keep the blue flag flying Finally.